listen to hair wrong. From hair wrong, I'm listening to hair wrong. They're wrong, I'm listening to hair wrong. From hair wrong, I'm listening to hair wrong. Birds of a feather flock together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still kicking back the under pressure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still gotta keep the work together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who gon' do it like, like us? Birds of a feather flock together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still kicking back the under pressure, yeah. Hello, 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 and thank you for joining us on Heron's Home Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Robertson, alongside my sound man extraordinaire, Rico G. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? And we've returned for episode 230. Welcome back, everyone. Yeah, what's going on? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, yeah, man, uh, you been getting into anything interesting this weekend? Yeah, I caught um, the Kingsman prequel. That shit was pretty dope. Nice, nice. I did enjoy that. Wait. It was pretty good. Wait, is that new? Yeah. Oh shit! Okay, no, I did not catch that. Kingsman, okay. the prequel, not not Kingsman one, uh, whatever the f- it was called, not Kingsman two, the Golden Circle. Circle. Okay, that's what I was thinking. The about. prequel. Okay, shit, it's I need to jump just on called that. Kingsman. Kingsman. Oh shit, the the OG Negro. Yeah, it's a. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's what they were going yeah, for. Yeah, no, 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 definitely not. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's the prequel of how the organization came to be. So that was a pretty dope movie. Um, it didn't really have. Actually, I don't even remember if Ray Fiennes was in the other movie. I, I think he may have been, but um, he's the main character of the of the uh, uh, prequel. So nah, he's nice. Yeah, that, that was that was a pretty really good movie. It's still the same dudes that did the first one. It was still written and directed by um, Matthew Vaughn. Okay. So okay. you know what I'm saying? It's I like the, his style. It's still just as it's it's just as good as the other two. It's just nowhere near as flashy. Like nowhere oh, okay. near as flashy. Because you know, like one ended with everyone's heads exploding into like yeah. pretty fireworks <laughs> and shit. Two was like you know, two was just ridiculous. Like they did like a 3D into a fucking like meat grinder. So that was pretty lit. Yes. But um, that... this one like they had sword fights and shit, and it was pretty pretty um pretty good. But it wasn't anywhere near as like over the top as the previous two, which kind of Makes sense. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that at all. Yeah, like I could appreciate that. No, it's not a knock. It's just it is what it is. You know, it it, it makes sense, right? Because mm-hmm. in the in the modern ones, you're literally in the, yeah. in the present day world, right? It's kind of hard to do a lot of those stuff in uh, World War One. Yeah, oh wow! So they went. That's they, like, they went pretty far back. Yeah, like it's it's um they deal with like the assassination of Franz Ferdinand and shit and fucking uh uh yo they're rescuing in this. Oh, it was World War Two. Okay, yeah. then yeah, World War Two, and then um. Uh, uh, what's his name? Was uh, the, the and Rasputin? Had Rasputin? This okay, it, it was he was so dope, bro. That's One thing up. I don't understand about that is is he actually healed the main character's leg, which is like which is still confusing me. You know what I'm saying? Like like they devised this whole ploy to get him away from to get him alone and shit. And he was like, "Oh, I can heal your leg," and he starts like massaging his leg. And after that scene, my nigga's leg was fixed, and I was like, "Huh? So you're trying to say that he does have magic powers, or that it's like it's like." Mm. He both has magic powers and he's a con artist. So I guess, you know, two things can be true at once. Yeah, exactly. True, true story, man. You could have magic powers and still be conning niggas. <laughs> That's what you do. So, yeah, it, it was overall dope. Um, Jamin Hansu was in it and he's a uh, pretty lit, <laughs> pretty fucking lit. As always, Jamin Hansu is always, always awesome. Except for when he was the, um, the wizard in Shazam. But, you know, we're gonna, <laughs> well, we won't we're talk about gonna, that. I <laughs> could talk about that. No, nah, no. Nah. Uh, that's what's up. I got. I'm definitely gonna catch that. We might have to talk about that more next episode because I haven't seen that. But that's. I'm a big fan of the Kingsman lore in general. Yeah, so yeah, I, I definitely want to uh, check uh, check that out. The villain was pretty gangster too, and I also got to see the Adam Project, which was. Oh, which nice! Was I'm so glad you caught that because I watched that too, and I definitely want to talk about that because I am definitely impressed by Ryan Reynolds fucking range because yeah. let me tell you like so we'll go ahead and and just uh, transition into talking about the Adam Project because that movie I highly recommend it another solid 9 out of 10 for me like super good yeah, when, I like I don't, whatever team is working with Ryan Reynolds to make these movies it's his production team bro it's maximum fucking, effort that's what I'm saying like it's him and his team like yeah. they're fucking hitting this shit on the head they've really really um, got a bead on how to mix action and and drama in a very meaningful way, in my opinion. Because a lot of these movies would be rated a lot less uh, or a lot lower on my personal scale, but the drama in the movies is so well worked in that it it covers a lot of flaws that otherwise might be present in an action movie because you know it's just action and mm-hmm. if you focus a lot on that then you 
sometimes you 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 sacrifice some story, but this team has done a great job of really mixing those two in because it's it I almost don't even want to talk too much about the the plot points of of Adam Project because it was so well paced. Mm-hmm. Like it was, every reveal was perfectly placed to progress the story in a way that was meaningful. It wasn't like you know, you know a lot of movies you can kind of just like drop the uh, the the reveals and it doesn't change it too much. But um, this movie really, because of how well the drama was worked in, felt. It, it felt really well well done, in my opinion. Better than a lot of other action movies that I like. Yeah, it, w- it was solid. Very well-rounded. The and it's the same is... way I felt about Free Guy as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a great movie. Yes, you know. And so, uh, I mean, the general premise of of uh, The Adam Project is, is that there's time travel in the future and... And see, even if even the basic plot premises were so well uh, placed throughout the exposition that I don't even want to give those away because outside <laughs> of that, they were really well done. And then on top of that, Zoe Saldano, she had a minor role, but still super impactful and enjoy and enjoyable to watch. Like, yeah, she was yeah. really good. She was super, super good. Another banger from Ryan Reynolds, man. I, I He's definitely won me over. And I got to say, like, I'm typically very critical of people who have one character that they keep playing over and over, but Brian yeah. Reynolds, it's super they keep easy doing for it. you to forget they that actors are actors. Well. <laughs> like, he, he is, like, I can't say that he's playing a different character. He's playing the, because, and it's mostly about how he delivers lines and the comedy that, that he moves towards, but it hits. You know what I mean? That's, it, that's not a, uh, a negative critique. It's just a, a, a statement of fact. You know what I mean? Like, Yes, he's playing the same character. Yes, you will enjoy it. And yes, they are still all good movies. You know what I mean? Like, it's very rare to be able to say that about a a, a person who is playing a similar role over multiple uh, characters. I mean, I know a decent amount, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, what I mean? I, again, I expect mm-hmm. actors to be actors. You know what I mean? So that's mm-hmm. this is like pretty good. But but still, I see what you're saying. And it, it was... It was it was super good, man. I really I, like. I was kind of mad at Mark Ruffalo's character, and I'm glad they decided to turn him around towards the end because I was kind of yes. getting mad at him, like when they first introduced him. So I'm really glad they went with that turn, um, with his character towards the end. Very much so. I think. And boy, let me tell you, like the there's a scene where Mark Ruffalo is with Ryan Reynolds and uh, a child uh, actor who's. Um, playing a very significant portion uh, or significant role in the movie. And the dynamic, the delivery, and the emotion in that scene, I think you know which one I'm talking about now. Most likely. Uh, What are you talking about? Like, towards the end when he's... um, When he's uh, telling me that he's proud of him. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that was a good scene. Oh, man, wasn't it, though? Like, it was so powerful. Like, that one, to me, was, was really... Because especially given the internal monologue of having Ryan Reynolds speak to himself about his feelings. That was really good too. Bro, like that's what I'm saying. Like Yo, the writing little, in the show. The was little just, kid was, was wise beyond his ears. Oh my goodness, dude. I, I, there was a point where the little kid, <laughs> and not to give away too much, he's like, he's like, how'd you get so smart? And he's like, how did you get so stupid? <laughs> like, how did you progress to be stupider in the future? Like, it's called trauma, my <laughs> yes. man. It's and called it's, trauma. And it's worked out, it's you know? unresolved trauma. Man, it's so good. So good. Really, really well done movie, gotta yeah, say. Solid, solid. Um, I'm glad it turned out as good as I thought it was. And I'm glad that they, that, they, that they addressed the time travel paradoxes with the right amount of disregard because yes we don't have time travel so we don't know if we could actually do this and it probably would destroy the timeline but we're not gonna listen we're just gonna we're gonna keep moving forward with this story because it's good (laughs) that's like one of the most least important parts of that movie you know what i'm saying is Mm -hmm. what happens yep after that it's like the most important part is the it's like vin diesel says about family Oh my goodness! And let me tell you, man, uh, young Adam Reed. Let me tell you, halfway through that movie, I was just like, "All right, my man is really doing it, big. <laughs> like he's really like such an endearing kid." You know what I mean? I really enjoyed watching him. Um, it was a little bit rough watching him in the beginning because 
you know, that precociousness is just like, all right, bro, okay. But then you see the evolution and then the the interactions between Ryan Reynolds and and the young Adam Reed. Oh, so well done. Yeah, I really like that the um how they handled like the different perspectives of um Adams as far as uh how their view on their parents and what they forgot versus what they learned, right? Like each one of them had a missing piece of the puzzle yes. and they came together and, and like gave yes. that to each other. And I thought that was really cool. And, and, and mild spoiler alert, you know, I, I really feel like in the end of the movie moving forward, they created a better future. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I mean, really do feel like they did. Like you I killed feel the like... person that rewrote time for her, um, for her personal or game. She... So oh it's gotta gosh. be a step up. It was so good. How she died. Like yeah, I, cool. yo, that whole scene, Bro, it was so like I I I didn't see it coming, but the fact that it's very rare that the dramatic irony is on the people in the movie's side. You know what I mean? Like yeah. usually you're the one who has information that they don't have, and then the scene plays out, and you watch it play out how you expect it. But in the 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 scene at the end of the movie, you get to see like they had like them being the nerds, new information that you <laughs> as the watcher probably did not know. And he knew he you know what was gonna come out of her partaking in those actions. And so he got to watch it play out. And so ah, that was super powerful, dude. I, yeah, I thought that was, that was super that was, cool. That was great. That was a you know, and it and it was so atypical, you know what I mean? Like I loved like how different it was. It was different in some pretty key ways that I thought were important and very um, substantial. Yeah, they, they got around the 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 big the hardest thing for like um, one of the hardest things for kids movies to deal with is the death of the villain. That's why so many Disney villains fall mm-hmm. to their death. Mm-hmm. So this one, they kind of get around it by just having the villain accidentally kill Do, themselves. You know what I mean? Heavy spoiler alerts. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So yeah, dude, <laughs> fucking a man, just so well. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what this team does in the future. I feel like they are definitely doing something different in Hollywood, and I hope that it that they keep uh, getting funding to produce it. You know what I mean? Because it's it's relatively successful, and if this one was on Netflix, so you know what I mean. Like success on Netflix is is a pretty surefire way to get to get uh, you know additional funding. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm looking it's forward an easy way to, to that. get a, a second project for show. Hmm. I'm pretty sure they they fucking they revived uh, Chris Hemsworth for Extraction too. So did they? Oh man, I really want to watch <laughs> that. Oh man, Extraction was kind of fun, bro. Not gonna front, man. I kind of want to see Extraction too. <laughs> that was and that was now that was just just your standard action fair. You know what I mean? That's the action fair that I that I that I'm referencing when I'm saying like it doesn't all have the complete package. Like that's just action. You want to watch a good action movie? Watch that. You get, you'll get just that. You know what I mean? It won't force you to think or do anything more than that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to if uh, they put out an extraction too. That was a that was a good good movie. I mean, according to this, I don't know if this. I don't know. It says it's up there. Extraction two IMDb. Hey, I don't know. It's something. Like, Someone made it. I don't ever remember it coming out or nothing like that. Oh but. wait. Yeah, it says the sequel to the 2020 extraction film. Oh, uh, but it's, I guess this comes out in 2022. I don't oh, know. Okay, so it's, it's oh, okay, so it's due to this year. I'm yeah. not mad at that. So yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the, like like we were saying earlier, if you do well enough, they'll fucking revive your dead character to give you a second movie. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, and that's across franchises. Look at DC. You, Peacemaker got shot in the neck. They were like, nah, these people <laughs> like you much. too much, bro. We got to do the whole season. We got to do the whole like, season series for you. Man's like, yo. That's what's up. Yeah, man. And um, Pixar dropped a new joint, which, you know, I've been kind of, you know, middling on Disney productions, mainly because they they have an agenda that they're pushing that I'm not too sure what it is. And so I I, I take what they what they put out generally with a with a grain of salt. But they just dropped a new joint with Pixar uh, called Turning Red. Yeah. What is that? A panda? Yes, it's uh, it's about a a Chinese girl in Toronto, who uh lives in you know a a, a neighbor a neighborhood, and she's thirteen, and so she's starting to transition into adulthood, you know, and so it, it it's a it's I think it's very well handled. Carolina watched it with me, and she's and she said from her perspective, it was a really uh uh 
mindful handling of a young girl's coming of age. Um, as you can imagine, there is a... Uh, for young women, coming of age includes a lot of biological things that, you know, are, are very difficult for them to deal with. And part of that is, you know, hormonal changes that cause a lot of uh, changes in behavior and, you know, a maturing in general of their perspective of the world. And this this movie kind of covers that, you know, a, a, a young girl growing out of just wanting to be under her parents' wings and, you know, growing up and wanting to experience the world with her friends and, and what the world has to offer. And, you know, honestly, it was a really endearing movie. I enjoyed the watch. And not for nothing, like, I'm a huge fan of Chinese mythology already. And the way that they worked it in, top notch, top notch. Gotta say, Pixar, you know, when it comes to, to the, the Pixar productions and the Disney productions... I do kind of uh, err on the side of the Pixar productions. They, first of all, the animation was fucking ridiculous. It was absurd at times. I was watching it at times, and I'm just like, "Yo, babe, do you see this?" You know what I mean? And she was pretty enraptured with the movie uh, uh, and, and the plot in general. But yeah, she noticed like, man, you know, the animations on these movies are next to none, man. Yeah. They really, Pixar really puts a ton of effort into their shit. Indeed, man. And There's so, a reason why most of their films usually take like four years to make. Yeah, I mean, and the care is, is the, evident. Well, the standard animation film takes like two. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I appreciate it. And not for nothing, you could tell that a ton of research went into the characters, um, the cultural references. Like, you could. It, it's, it's crazy because of how obvious the care was put into the cultural references in this and how much if you watch like other media that doesn't handle it well it blows it out the water like for a kids movie this movie absolutely will hit with adults you know what i mean and 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 i and i can appreciate that because it did so without bringing a bunch of adult jokes and a bunch of adult themes into the movie you know what i mean and, and presenting them in a way where the kids just don't get it. They managed to to make a movie that is, I think, engageable by adults without en engrossing it with adult material. And that, I think, is something to be lauded. Because a lot of people don't know how to straddle that line. And it's very easy to entertain children with things that they don't really understand. You know what I mean? And so for them to have done that as artfully as they did kudos definitely give them a thumbs up for that but yeah turning red man and the red panda oh so <laughs> like the 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 whole theme about it and how like she kind of she kind of like gained powers with it it was it was kind of exposited in the way that you would in an rpg so i found that very endearing <laughs> you know what i mean and then oh the supporting cast was really well done too you know what i mean like they had a uh, this little korean character who was she was adorable. It was hilarious. She was like, I don't know. I don't know if this is a an archetype of of personalities, but she was very well. Uh, she was very endearingly portrayed. Um, and yeah, even the the young Indian girl and uh, I'm. They had another girl. I think her name was Miriam. I'm not sure what what ethnicity she was, but yeah, they were all really well um, portrayed, and and they had their own little arcs, and they they were developed without taking away from the main story. You know what I mean? Like, they were able to intertwine their stories into the general uh, storyline without, like, making it seem like side quest type shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, which I value, because that's really good for a movie. You know, side quests are great in video games, but they can make a movie kind of draw out longer than necessary. <laughs> so, yeah, dude, definitely um, check out Turning Red if you're a, a parent of a young lady or if you, you can enjoy uh, those kind of animations. Definitely worth your while. The story is definitely worth um worth uh, checking out. But yeah, other than that, we could uh, move on into some of these topics. So uh, <laughs> this was a, a fun one to, to come across. So I'm pretty sure you didn't hear about it because I didn't hear about it. And I don't think anybody heard about it. But Amazon is launching a uh, game streaming service called Luna. No, I didn't hear about that. 
Okay, good. I'm I'm glad I didn't uh, incorrectly suppose that, but no, evidently uh, there are very little lessons to be taken from Stadia's failure, and Amazon's like, yo, yo, we could do this better, and so they've decided to launch their uh, their game streaming service to, unfortunately, rel- relatively abysmal launches uh, numbers on launch, but uh, yeah, that's a new thing that's evidently. Uh, gracing the uh gaming stage what does it do is it like steam um i'm not sure because they didn't well i know that you can access all of the amazon games on it so like (laughs) 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 yo amazon you wild bro you wild amazon Listen, you guys want to play, exclusively play my game on my on my platform? Yeah, okay. I have a feeling that this was something that they decided to to prepare for launch <clears throat> back when they decide when they wanted to get into the online like the MMO uh, gaming sphere, and they were launching. Um, I think they launched like a uh another uh, um uh, online service uh platform game, but. I believe that when they were launching these games, they figured, hey, we might as well also start looking into platforms in which to distribute these games. And so this was put into the works before they realized that they had a long ways to go before their games as a service model was even viable enough to create a platform around. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so... I mean, I see Devil May Cry 5 on here. Okay, yeah. Oh, boom. There you go. Now, but, and you know what? Not for nothing, I do not support Amazon in anything they do. But I will say this. Putting Devil May Cry 5 on the platform as a launch title is ballsy because putting a uh, action uh, game like that that requires very low latency and immediate button response on your streaming platform is going to immediately benchmark you. If you can do that, then people will probably have faith that you will deliver other games at a decent rate. You know what I mean? At a decent um, fidelity. So that's pretty, you know, that means that I, I guess they have some faith in what they're in their platform at large. You know what I mean? Yeah. They got some, they got some decent titles on here. Yakuza like a dragons on here. Fucking see, like that's a good game to launch because it doesn't, you know what I mean? It, um, it's not an action RPG. I think action RPGs put a lot of strain on streaming services because of the given, you know, the back and forth between the player and the, and the server. Yeah. But also like anything, uh, graphic in- intensive enough will will do it as well. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. True. Like an RPG, an RPG cutscene is enough to do it. Or um, but you know, uh, it's it's one of those things where every time people are jumping into a saturated market, I'm just like, okay, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And you and you're not doing anything new or groundbreaking. You're just jumping into the market way That's behind everybody else. I'm like, That's the kicker right. for me. I I I, I, I applaud people for jumping into saturated markets. If you have innovation, yep. If you have innovation, hell yeah, go over there and slap some fools around and show them how it's supposed to be done. But if you're just jumping into the market because you want to play the numbers game with them, especially right. when Steam just dropped the Steam Deck right now, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. Okay, people, people are you playing mobile wanna, PC games right now. So very you easily. want a less effective version of Steam? <laughs> I mean, with a smaller fucking, and that, that's what it feels like. The real competitor base. is right now is like. They drop Luna and they're competing with Steam and Steam's doing really good. It's not like Steam's like fumbling the bag right now and and there's an opening in the market. You know what I mean? Because as you said, they're not bringing in any, any major innovation to the to the streaming platform. So it's like, alrighty. I mean, if your games just stream that well, then maybe like if you can stream games and it's indistinguishable from native console play then maybe but i don't know if that's what they're i don't think that's what they're providing i think they're they're going for like not real gamers but they're going for casual gamers and they're going to bundle that shit right. with other stuff that they have I believe so that right. people pay for it don't oh, yeah, actually you get it with the amazon prime and don't cancel it yeah because you get it with amazon prime too feel me so, so like, they immediately that's have what i think that they're doing they're trying to set up a, a, a secret subscription at the background they're not really intending for this to be like a top yeah and i think that project. if they're playing the numbers game right now it, the fact that this is included on every amazon prime account 
like, are they going to, like, are they going to default and just say that all the Amazon Prime subscribers are now Luna subscribers? And so now they can say that, hey, that's our distribution. And they can start generating numbers like that. Because that's what all of the people who invest in these kind of things are based on. They don't actually use the platform. So they don't care what, like, user base is. They just want to see what the numbers are. And if they can credibly generate numbers around this platform because of distribution, um, because they it's just in everyone's account, mm-hmm. shit. Man, Disney used that to to bump their numbers up Thank last you. Christmas. I mean, they, they started bundling Disney Plus with other shit that they were selling. They started. I think this model started when YouTube uh, YouTube launched their uh, or uh, released their album, and then they just pushed it to everyone's you know Apple uh, account, and then they counted that as like sales numbers type <laughs> shit. That they they proved that this was a viable model to generate numbers yeah, to, to get inflate people. the numbers. Yeah, yeah. make it look like it's jumping. And so yeah, you know, and and that's what I don't like about the ability of these huge companies to just jump into markets that they, you know, aren't originally, you know, uh, intended to to be part of, you know, because they could do that, and because of the disproportionate resources that they leverage, that could be successful. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't do that. You know what I mean? But they can. And so, yeah, it, it, it tends to, I think, dilute the market somewhat. But I don't think because of how many people are contributing to these markets and any, you know, whether it's, you know, gaming, music, any market, because of how many people can contribute to it, I think it's less effective. But, you know, it just empowers them more to scrape more and more resources that they can. Yeah, we'll see how long it lasts, though. Like, licensing all real, those games, yeah, right. if, if they don't get a good enough return on that, they can't keep that shit up. You're 100% right. That's the real, um, that's the real judge. Is <laughs> that's the thing how that long sucks about not owning any games, bro. Man, and let me tell you, I look... That overhead cannot be cheap. And 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 that's it's part of why I will never go... I will never not want to own my games physically. You know what I mean? I don't. I just don't like that because, just like you said, it depends on how long it lasts. And God forbid, the people who do early adopt it, if it doesn't last, will lose everything. Mm-hmm. And and so yeah, it's. Just, I I find that model to be just not sustainable because they're unwilling to distribute the software to you directly. Like I I'm okay with not owning a physical uh uh disc. If you are willing to openly distribute the software to me once I purchase it at, at any given moment. You know what I mean? But they're not willing to do that part. They don't want to do that part. So you don't own anything. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a rough model to, to, to partake in. But, yeah, moving on from that and other gaming news. So I thought that this was interesting. Uh, starting last week and uh, very much uh, continuing into this week. Uh, gaming companies have been pulling their online services from Russia, which, I mean, I really feel, and in, in my opinion, if it's wrong to blame the American people in general for the warmongering of the military-industrial complex, then I think it's wrong to punish the Russian people for the warmongering of the Russian industrial complex. And so, unfortunately, all of these gaming boycotts, all they're doing is hurting the Russian people who, from what I have seen, have been generally against the Russian war machine. And so, you know, it was interesting watching, you know, all of these game companies start to pull their services. And and I think it's less of a ideological issue than the fact that Russia is being sanctioned. And so they can't barter they can't take rubles and exchange them in the open market anymore so it's becoming less and less profitable to do business with russia and so that's probably why they're taking down these services but nonetheless ultimately the only people hurt are the russian people but uh i thought it was interesting because the russian government you know in response to this decided they are no longer enforcing uh foreign copyright law so Russians can now just openly pirate foreign games if they want to play them. So it's like, you know, guys, this is what I mean by like, sometimes there's no fucking, sometimes the right answer is just not to do anything because there is no right answer 
to to this so now now the gaming companies aren't doing service in russia so they're losing that money and at the same time they're their games are being pirated in Russia openly, which means they'll never regain that revenue. You know what I mean? Like now they're just cutting the nose to spite the face. And it's like, while I'm not in support of Russia's attack on Ukraine, these economic moves that people, that these countries are trying to make, they're not really going to do anything but posture. It's just posturing. You know what I mean? And that's, that sucks because, you know, my heart goes out to Russian people who really and truly are are not particularly interested at all in this geopolitical situation, and yet they're being forced and their lives are being altered on it. And so, yeah, that that sucks. But at the same time, I don't ex- know what they expected to happen. Like, I'm not faulting Russia for not enforcing foreign copyright <laughs> when foreign companies are sanctioning. Like, I, I I don't exactly know what people expect to happen in these situations you know what i mean exactly as it is happening so yeah it's you know just reactionary just you know what i'm saying like the government does something and then the people follow in lines they see one people doing something then they follow behind them because when you stand out too much you know they give something gives people something to talk about when you stand out and, and what the worst part is is that the government isn't actually really doing much they're just saying a lot of things and a lot of these companies are moving off of anticipation of the market and you know, that is what it is, you know. That, yeah, that's how the market is designed right yeah, now. It is. It literally is designed that way, for sure. You know, and and it, it's just problematic. And I want people to be aware of that because if you're ever given an opportunity to give your opinion on whether you want it to change, you probably should. You know what I mean? And it, it just sucks because the gaming industry at large was really in a good place. You know what I mean? And not for nothing, I do believe that Russian and Ukrainian, not not for nothing, developers were contributing to that. And this whole fiasco is just going to set that back, you know? And it's like, man... War has that effect. Yeah, and, and, and please, don't get me wrong. The, the greatest tragedy right now is the loss of life in Ukraine. Don't get me twisted. You know what I mean? But when it comes to what actually affects me, because I'm sorry, the loss of life in Ukraine doesn't actually affect me. This is what comes to mind. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, dude, I thought that that was... I I think it's a general mismo- uh, misstep by the industry, but it's one that I did come to expect. I expected to see that happening because, you know, you can't expect them to, to do business in a country where they can't... where they can't uh, uh, adequately change the, the currency. You know what I mean? And not for nothing, you know, China and a lot of other countries are still doing business with Russia. So that doesn't mean that they're dead in the water. Not that that should be any, you know, not that short shrift of what they're doing. But, you know, the, the, the Russian people, I think, will make it out of this, you know. And I think it's important for us to support the Russian people because they're the only ones who can have an effect on the Russian government. You know what I mean? And not that they're very effective. But everything else has a zero effect on it at this point because the American government sure as hell ain't doing a great job at negotiating or doing any form of 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 uh, foreign policy delegation with Russia. So that is what it is. Moving on from that. Yo, I saw this. This was interesting, which I don't know. I, I I'm ambivalent towards it. I have both good and bad feelings. And that is uh, so Snoop recently purchased Death Row Records and then announced that he wanted to convert the label into an NFT label, which I'm not really sure how he intends to to do that, but I feel bad for the artists who are waiting to 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 put their music out and now have to to deal with having their music be the launching uh, fodder for a new platform that i don't think has the legs to survive i don't think that like blockchain and 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 i think cryptocurrency will survive i don't think that nfts as a art currency is going to survive you know what i mean and for what you know i i I, you know i'm happy for snoop you know i i love to see a black man winning but unfortunately i don't think this is an actually intelligent move for him and i don't know maybe 
it feels to me like, hey, he doesn't have positive feelings towards Death Row. So maybe this is just him showing how he feels towards it. Like, fuck y'all niggas. I don't know. But um, because Snoop got money to do do shit like that. You know what I mean? So I don't know if he just is bought it to use it as a litmus strip and doesn't care whether it succeeds or fails. But that sucks because I don't think that that converting a label and and from my conception what he means by converting it to an nft label is that the music that they release will be released in nft form in some way shape or form and they will be recruiting artists to produce nfts you know in the market which i'm assuming that's what converting death row to an nft label means does that sound like crazy i don't know I mean, I'm just, I'm just trying to puzzle it out. This looks like a not the best idea to me all around. So you know what I'm saying? (laughs) NFTs is not my bag. I think that anybody who's paying for NFTs is wasting their money. So that's really all I have to say about it. I don't know what Snoop is planning. Maybe know something I don't know. I just think it's not a good idea, and it's not something that I'm particularly interested in. Okay. You know what I'm saying? If I'm buying music, I'm buying music. I'm not buying a receipt of music. Once again, exactly. Don't make no sense to me. There's no way for that to make sense to me, so I just don't understand. (laughs) My my final answer is I do not understand. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, I'm I'm trying to make some sense of it, and I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, because as I said, I'm positively disposed to Snoop, man. I, I, I fuck with him heavy, but... I don't even know what that means, bro. How you listen? How you listen to NFTs? What do NFTs sound like? You know what I mean? Like, is, does NFTs that mean that, like, like, whenever an artist produces a song, it's going to be coupled with an NFT, and you can only buy it in that form? You know what I mean? Oh, and then what is good? And and I would love to see Ugh. what the standard format for a NFT is because if NFTs were a serious thing, they would not be using JPEGs and MP4s, or they they would create a proprietary file format that they can be track. You know what I mean? They had some form of light. You know what I mean? Like, I'm. I really don't want to shit on them, but they're it's fucking okay. not doing it's it okay. anything. I mean, you already did. You know what I'm saying? You said it was not an intelligent move right at the top. I know, me? but that's only after having really given a lot of thought to like, yo. So can this be done? And could we do this in a reasonable way? I mean, it's possible, and but it can we be. absolutely don't have the, the the information on that. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's only so much that we know about NFTs. Well, I don't want to speak for you. There's only so much that I know about NFTs. So, you know what I mean? There, there's only I'm so much that I'm going to be able to, to like, you know, And, the, and this is what bothers me is that the people who the people who talk about NFTs and create NFTs and who garnered these things fully well know that Based on the blockchain technology that is the infrastructure for this, you can very easily create a proprietary uh, uh, file format that is easily played by anything that can play MP4s or JPEGs or things of that nature, but still retains, as I said, a light form of DRM that allows at least the owner of that receipt to track it on the blockchain, not by, you know, surveilling anyone, because the blockchain is a literal ledger. You know what I mean? Like, that also they could have done like, this. And, it, and I know the technology like, can do it because I've worked with people to do stuff like that. It also sounds like the least convenient way to listen to music ever. Like, are you telling me that if I want to listen to something, I got to line and in, log into some specific program that's not typical of, like, YouTube or something like that? And no, then, no, no, you can't. Oh, not YouTube. You're right. No, I'm saying it, it could be played in your, like, media player. Or your, it can be played through Safari because Safari will support the file format because it is a a web uh, a web three based file format. So you know what I mean. Like, but it's, I would it's still have the same possible. opinion about that as I mm-hmm. did with the with the last thing. Like mm-hmm. we we already have stuff that does that. Oh no, I agree. We with We already you. have stuff that does that. So now you're treading new ground, but doing it ineffectively, doing it more ineffectively than the people who have done it before. So oh it's no, like, I a hundred percent agree with you. I'm just saying that if, if if they wanted to create a niche, you know what I mean? Kind of like how... You yeah, know, I understand what you're saying. That you if know, they wanted to make this legit, they could have. Yeah. But they're not taking the steps to make it legit. So it doesn't seem like a very trustworthy endeavor. Exactly. And so, like, you know, what, what Kanye did with the Donda album, he released it on his stem player, which is a proprietary hardware that you have to own to be able to play his album. You know what I mean? Now, you can stream his album... And that's completely capable. You're completely able to do that. And but when he he also sold this stem player, 
NFTs could utilize a very s- similar format to to distribute, you know, something that yes is proprietary, but is also since it's a song, it's available in other ways. But if you want to consume it in its uh in its intended form, you would have to be a owner of this and if you know what i mean like and it would be a small niche art market like that's what i'm saying like they could do this they but it's definitely disingenuous and i and i know i'm just retreading the same shit over and over but you know i i I really wanted these nfts and and if we go back to the first episode i talked about nfts i was lauding them i was very very hopeful about what this technology could be you know and it still could be that but it's just like Man, there's nothing but grifters on this fucking tech. You know what I mean? And it's and I think it's because of a general issue with the 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 developer population that they don't. You know, developers could be doing this like it's completely, but no one's particularly interested in it. And even when I bring the technology to people, even if they like the idea, they're so brainwashed into thinking that you can't make money off of it, despite similar models showing profitability is crazy it's crazy it's just like you know in the gotcha industry why developers don't just make games that don't fall into the common pitfalls of gotcha games there it's we're, we're six years into the industry we're pretty well aware of what people want and don't want you can make a game that provides them that experience they just they choose not to and and you know it's a problem i think it's very problematic you know, because where's the progress going to come from if the people who are designing these things aren't interested in anything but dollars? I don't know. But yeah, moving on from that. Uh, in other news, I thought this was really interesting. So I don't watch baseball, so I was unaware that they were in a strike recently. Uh, there was a player's lockout. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all niggas don't play no how. You just stand around. I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, bruh, dude, that's always been my biggest issue with baseball. It's like there's so little activity for such a large portion of the game. <laughs> but um, hey, listen, that's just Bunch me. It's America's pastime. <laughs> Standing around is evidently the thing that Americans love to fucking do. Oh, but uh, so there was a lockout recently in MLB, and uh, they came to a a, a resolution. But uh, I really wanted to point out the the sterling move by Bernie Sanders to still point out how, ter- despite having a resolution between the players and the owners, that industry of of professional sports is terribly, terribly, terribly uh, regulated. And in in terms of the fact that these people want, they have a lot of the benefits of labor law without any of the regulations of labor law. And what that ends up doing is, in the end, it hurts the players. Because if you have the benefits of labor law, the benefits of labor law are on the corporation side. And the regulation of labor law is on the the uh, the employee side. And if the players are the employees and they have none of the uh, regulation of, of labor law, that means that they are the ones who are always going to be on the shit end of any kind of negotiation because the legislation is designed against them. The regulation is what is supposed to be in their favor, but the the sports industries have uh, effectively lobbied themselves out of those regulations. And, you know, I really, and man, you know, Bernie ain't perfect, but boy, would he have been leagues better of than anything we've had so far. Like, uh, it, it is really depressing, you know, like, and that's the sad part is is that it's not about having the people even present to do the the right thing. You have to empower the people who who are capable of doing the right thing to do the right thing because you know America's had the hero they've needed for a long time, and they've turned away from him consistently. You know what I mean like and it's not to say that Bernie's a superhero, but if the Americans are looking for their president to make the the right stand then historically, if you look at Bernie Sanders' electoral uh, record, he stood on the right side of what Americans, based on polling, want. You know what I mean? But by and large, they refuse to elect anyone like him. And it's like, all right, guys, well, then you're definitely saying what it is that you really want. You know what I mean? Like, 
there's only so many times you could tell me that you want something but refuse to to do anything to obtain it before I stop believing that you actually want that thing. You know? And if Americans want their their tax reform, if Americans want labor reform, if Americans want a decent decent foreign policy because I won't say that Bernie Sanders is perfect on foreign policy, but if they want a better non-war profiteering uh, foreign policy than they have, then they've had someone for the past eight years who's been vehemently trying to 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 alter the reins of power, and they've turned away from them. You know, and that shit, that's sad. That's sad because it really just showed me how little hope there is. You know, and I'm somebody who lives off of hope. I thrive on hope, and uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm finding it really hard to see the hope in the in, in the American electoral system, in the labor system, and in general how their governance is enacted on the public. Like, it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to get better. You know what I mean? And that's just, I don't know. That could be my pessimism, but you know you can't have people trying to help you for so long and you turn away from them before you people stop thinking that you want to be helped. It is what it is, you know? And and that's what another thing that I, I laud Bernie Sanders and a lot of other uh, uh, Congress people for. Yes, they are the minority, but there are a few Congress people who have fought over the years, you know, to try to be on the right side of things. And, you know, I, that that is uh, a very thankless job. It's a very thankless job. And it's, it's one that I personally... I I don't know how how long I have in me to to give to people who are just fighting against progress. That shit's hard for me, man. So yeah, I thought that that was an interesting one. The MLB ends its strike, but Bernie ain't ending his his calls for fucking better regulation. You know what I mean? And that that's really what it is to be a politician. You got to have that in you to be able to to push the line to continue progress. You know, it's not just about okay, we achieved this. Now we get to stop progress. Like no. The real progress is in making sure that this never happens again, you know, making sure that the, there's a, a, a reasonable deal so that players never have to uh, to to uh, turn down a contract from the from the owners. You know, why are the owners who are making billions, mind you, putting forth contracts that the players don't feel comfortable with? That seems weird, you know, especially when the players agents the ones who are actually negotiating these contracts, they are very much inclined to get these things signed. You know what I mean? Like, they don't make no money when the players are on strike. So the fact that you had two motivated bodies to get this thing signed and they couldn't come to an agreement makes me feel real weird, to say the least. That's how you know the terms were bullshit. Bullshit. Total bullshit. But yeah, it, there was that happening. Um, And this, I thought, was interesting because this is a... A relatively historic uh, happening that has never, you know, that that as long as I've been alive and many people today, as long as they've been alive, have never seen. That's Switzerland rescinding their neutrality when it comes to Russia in the war. (laughs) Now, if you know anything about Switzerland, it is a their economy is heavily based off of global finance. More so than any other country. They have managed, because of their neutrality, to be a hub of global finance. And them choosing to remove their neutrality in reference to Russia, I think, more so than anything, shows how much America has a uh, the cobra clutch on the global finance system. Because Switzerland has rebuffed every attempt militarily economically, socially, to be brought from their neutral position for decades. For decades. And for them to to choose this point in time to, to rescind that, I think it shows America's undue uh, influence in the global finance system. And moreover, I think it shows... I think that it's indicative more and more of the fact that I don't think that China and Russia are going to back down because I don't think that they are willing to live in a world where America, as degenerate as it is, is the world power over them. They're not willing to deal with it anymore. 
And the fact that Switzerland makes this move in in regards to now, mind you, I believe it's probably because they they want to not uh, offend their Europe their European Union allies. And since the European Union allies have already taken the stance to sanction Russia, they are just following suit. That's probably the overarching uh, uh, reasoning as to why they would choose to take the stance now. But in the eyes of China and Russia, who have to go through Switzerland for a lot of their international <laughs> banking, they don't like that. Problematic. Very much so. Very much so. You know what I mean? And it's really interesting because India as well... Has because India is is very pro America. Don't get it twisted. They love America, and America loves sending you know arms to their infinite war zones. But that does not stop India from being part of the BRICS nations, which is uh you know Brazil, Russia, um, uh, South Africa, China, and um. I forget the 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 I in the BRICS nations, but yeah, they are part of a trading block that excludes that. You know what I mean? They are part of a trading block that excludes America, even though they have huge ties to America financially through military uh, contracts. So you know, there's a lot of fraught relations going on uh, when it comes to what's going on in that area, and so. I can imagine that puts Switzerland in a very precarious position, but for them to make such a an overture to 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 back the the anti-Russian sentiment in the geopolitical situation right now, that's uh I think problematic. I think it's problematic because it's only going to entrench Russia and its allies against whatever they view as the quote-unquote NATO bloc. Because that's where that's how they're framing most of their aggression is that they're trying to contain NATO expansion. So you know that's that's going to be a real interesting one to see how that uh, how that uh, affects the the ongoing uh, relations in that area. And then uh, I guess we'll we'll wrap up on this uh, this rather dire report, and that is the uh, the IPCC, which is the um, International Committee on Climate Change. Uh, gives its most dire report yet. And it scares me because this is relatively close to what the projections 30 years ago said would be happening. Um, so according to the IPCC report, we have part of the of what was so urgent about the remediation of climate change up until this point was that Closed energy systems like our atmosphere go through cycles, and those cycles are relatively predictable, and we can contribute to them, you know, in in various ways. Well, we're always going to contribute to them just through existing, but depending on our industrial output, we can contribute to it in a much greater or lesser fashion. Um, And... In these uh, closed energy systems, you reach certain thresholds where the system begins to change in drastic ways. This is the fundamental uh, crux of, of quote-unquote, the climate disaster, is moving to a place in which our climate is going to now irrevocably start to change into its next stage based on the 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 energy output into the system. So our our climate was relatively stable over time because a lot of there was a lot of systems on the earth that were absorbing the energy from the atmosphere. Things like uh the uh the icebergs in the Antarctic, uh the Amazon, uh you know, what well, what used to exist as the North American sequoia rainforest. Uh, we're talking about, you know what I mean? There was large areas of land, like hundreds of millions of acres that were just drawing the energy out of the system that was allowing the system to remain stable. So the higher energy in the system, the more erratic it is, 
the less energy in the system, the less erratic it is. Plants and and things like glaciers and other large geographic uh, phenomenon tend to remove energy from the atmosphere, geothermal energy, all kinds of energy. Uh, uh, through the nitrogen cycle, we remove uh, carbon energy from the uh, through the uh, from the atmosphere. Various cycles that that naturally occur, um, and so while those are active and and functioning we're good to go now as i just mentioned we used to have the north american rainforest that's gone we've we've cut down 96 percent of that so that's a major geographical feature that is gone that no longer is removing energy from the atmosphere the amazon i think the amazon i don't want to throw 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 arbitrary numbers out there but has been significantly has been significantly reduced over time um, through the efforts of Bolsonaro and his logging uh, lobbies. So that's another geographical feature. Now, there's only but so many of these geographical features that we can destroy before the system as a whole starts to alter. You know what I mean? The, the oceans. The oceans, because we have chemically altered the oceans by dumping plastic and heavy chemicals into them, they don't absorb the same amounts of energy out of the atmosphere. And so what this all culminates to is to a dramatic shifting of the climate. Okay? So that Now, what does that mean? This is a closed energy system. And so it doesn't mean that, you know, the entire globe becomes one homogenous climate zone. It means that it's generally going to be uh, experienced as a reversal of the climate of the area or region that you inhabit. So as things change, there's not a whole lot of things for them to change into. They're going to change in a very predictable fashion as the, as the, the, the weather system changes. We know this. We've, we've observed it. Um, a lot of climate change knowledge comes from our observations of other planets that are literally going through the same cycles that we're observing ourselves go through. Ones that we are now contributing in ways that we know. You know what I mean? And so this report is saying that we are now past the threshold in which we can stabilize climate at what it had been. We are now no longer in a state where we can expect the climate not to change. Climate change henceforth is going to be the norm. And that's really what the takeaway from this IPCC report is. Now, the IPCC tends to not want to be alarmist. They're not doom and gloom. But essentially by saying we have passed the thresholds in which these feedback loops are stable, these feedback loops are now changing over time, is essentially telling us that the climate that we endure currently will not be the climate that we endure over time in guarantee. You know what I mean? It's no longer, hey, in a couple of years, things are going to change. We are now no longer in a stable climate atmosphere. Moreover, we, we have China throwing plasma balls into the air. We have Saudi Arabia seeding clouds into the sky and not at all coordinating with anyone to say, hey, well, you know, you know, my air is your air. Yeah. So when we do this, maybe we should coordinate with you to let you know so you can at least observe what's happening and maybe note some changes so that we can come to some conclusions as to how this affects our environment over a long period of time. But no. And this is. This is the, the, the state of affairs that requires us to have a global community. Listen, I'm not into the whole world governance thing, one world order. I'm not with that. But in a world where there's countries that are, are, are deforesting the lungs of our world, because that's what the Amazon is called. It literally processes so much of our fucking uh, carbon dioxide that it's literally called the lungs of the world. When there is a single country responsible for that, and I breathe the air that comes out of that, you know, there's got to be some kind of coordination. There has to be, or else we're just dooming ourselves, you know. And I and 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 I don't know if that's why the vast majority of people rather just entertain themselves with gambling and video games and drugs and things of that nature. But you know, 
all of those things are fine and in their own right, but we shouldn't be escaping from the doom of our reality into those things. If we want to indulge in those things, fine. But if we indulge in them as an escape from the reality of the impending doom that's coming, it's only going to kill us faster, you know? And, and, and that's sad. We should really work on this. Like, and, and I don't genuinely think that the vast majority of people feel like it's their responsibility to even contribute in the slightest way to this. And it's like, well, you know, never more has a human been empowered to contribute in some way, shape, or form. Even if it is just a few clicks of a button. Before, that wasn't even accessible. Marie Antoinette didn't give a shit about the people because she didn't see the people. She didn't give a fuck if they ate cake or not. You know what I mean? But more so today, we have the ability to at least put forth something into the air, to, you know, to do something in in regards to achieving the future that we want to see. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I just want to encourage people, do what you can, because if left to their own devices, you know, corporations and governments will destroy this world. It's clear. Every single biological system in this world is in decline, with the exception of humans for some reason. We keep fucking multiplying. But, you know, we we can't keep on doing that at the expense of this world because we haven't found a way to get to the stars yet. As much as Elon Musk and, and, and Bezos want to shoot themselves into the stars on dick-shaped rockets, we still only got this world. We're here. This is all we got. This is all our kids got. So thank you again for joining us. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to subscribe to us on anchor.fm or on patreon.com. Also, feel free to subscribe to us on the social medias. You can find us on Twitter at Cree underscore T or at Home Heron. And you can find me on Instagram at Heron's Home Podcast. And you find me, me on Instagram at RicoGVO. And always remember, guys, time's only wasted if you choose to waste it. So learn from your mistakes. It's the only thing you ever truly will learn from. Thanks again for joining us and have a great one, guys. Peace out. Take it easy.